Yeah, second child got real sick. So after that, it was like, back off. Got to do that. Um, yeah, and use uh, sanitizer on your tongue, too, before breathing. Yeah. Try that out. Oh, goodness. Well, we are going to be in the book of Ephesians again, chapter 2. And I tell, uh, Paul is Paul's going to share some, some cool stuff. I'm excited about this. There's a, little bit of, there's a little bit of history today. There's a whole lot of application for you and for me. Because he's going to talk about unity. He's going to talk about uh, the fact that sometimes you have to be unified with some people that are very awkward. And, and I use the word awkward because I found it to be the nicest word I could use. Because when you say difficult, that might mean something. If you say ornery, that might mean something. There's people in our lives that are just awkward to get along with. Am I right? Don't, don't say too much now. Don't say too much. And don't look at anyone. <sighs> Got to warn everyone about this. I, I, and I think it becomes more and more awkward the first time you get to know someone. That you may know of them, you may see them, but as you start a relationship where you know their name and you start to learn things about them, it becomes awkward because you don't know how they're going to respond. The people you hang out with all the time, you know their response. You know what it is that they're going to say to a certain topic, how it is they're going to respond to a certain tone in your family you know both positive and negative. You know what they love to hear, and you know the buttons that you can push with them. Am I right? But new people, you don't know that. You don't know if at any moment you're going to say a joke that you just think is hilarious, and they take offense to it. You know, so there's an awkwardness about that situation. As I thought, in terms of my own life, I couldn't remember if I'd ever shared this with you, but my first day at college, uh, I came from homeschooling and dairy farming, went to college, and I walked into my dorm room, and for my entire life, I had shared a room with my brother. I knew exactly how he was going to respond to everything. I walked in, and the first person I met, and then let me preface this, homeschool, dairy farming, uh, mid-Michigan, all right? First person I met was a large Latino man. And I had never seen hair like that. I had never heard someone talk like that. I, I don't, I'm not sure I'd ever seen that many tattoos. And this was my roommate. And I was like, hi. You know, like, I, don't, I, I, I could get high out. It was an awkward situation. I'm like, how does this person, this? and the, he was a great man, great man. He was there, loved the Lord, but I had never met someone like that. So it, I felt awkward. The other two gentlemen in our dorm room uh, were both staff kids. Uh, they had been around hundreds of people their age their entire life. I mean, complete opposite of me. And that was who I was going to room with for a year. I, it was just awkward. I, I think of my first time counseling at camp. Uh, we're Life Island. Uh, this is a camp in, in upstate New York that drew campers from really across the nation. And the first week was basketball camp. And I played basketball, but it was kind of like our basketball hoop was on a telephone pole outside the barn. It wasn't really basketball. It was a mixture of basketball and wrestling, really, is what we did growing up. And it was basketball camp, and in walked these guys from Mississippi. And I'm on the bottom bunk, and these guys, this was a basketball team from Mississippi that had traveled to the camp to, to play. And they were all bigger than me. 
and, and they were all, they were great guys, no, absolutely nothing wrong with them. All African-American, uh, had not grown up, had not had the joy of growing up with uh, other people. And um, this guy, who was, I think, about six, 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 seven, and had to weigh 250, 260, and a lot of it was muscle, threw his stuff on the bunk above me. And I remember that night, as everyone was kind of getting in bed, and I'm sitting on my bunk ready to give my first devos, this guy hops up on the bed, and I thought possibly my life had ended. I mean, the whole, I swear to you, the whole cabin kind of went, okay, now we're going to do devos. And that guy bunked above me the whole week. And I mean, awkward. How do you talk to these guys? I mean, from southern Mississippi, played basketball. I mean, awkward, awkward. But yet, we were a cabin. And they were looking to me for for guidance of some sort or to find out at least what they could get away with uh, with me in the cabin. Um, Awkward. And I know that you have similar stories as well, and I know that you have that same feeling that I have when you meet someone new, like, okay, how is this relationship going to work? One of the joys of our church is we have new people constantly coming in. And if, if you're new here this morning, I'm just excited to to, to see you, excited that you chose to worship with us this morning. I pray that you find something meaningful. And if you're here needing help or, or just wanting guidance or just needing to talk to someone, I'm available. I'm available to you. We're a church that loves having people come through our doors. And so we're constantly wrestling with this in our church. The awkwardness, like how do you get beyond this? Paul's writing... Again, each week I, I kind of introduce this passage by saying Paul's writing to a church that's dealing with the very same thing you're dealing with. And we're about to dive into some history, and we have to do that. I know for some of you it's like, ah. But we have to do that for you to appreciate the power of what Paul is writing to this church. What Paul is saying to this church, we're going to understand it, And then we're going to take it over into my life, into your life. And I believe that understanding what he's saying and where he's coming from will help you to understand the power of what he's saying and the power of what, how it can change your life and in the relationships that you have. Well, in Ephesians chapter 2, this is page 827 in the Pew Bible, if you would like to turn there. We're in verse 11. And the very first word is therefore. Therefore. And and therefore is one of those hinge terms. Everything we've talked about the last two weeks in Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 10, he's saying because of that, and, and just as a review, he's saying because of the grace you were shown in salvation, because of the, all the things that took place at salvation. In verse 10 last week, we talked about the fact that because of the salvation you have that not only saved you from something, but saved you for something, because of all that, Therefore, and he says this, Remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcision by those who call themselves the circumcision that is done in the body by the hands of men. So he's addressing a group. And and this is where we dive into history a little bit. In the church at Ephesus, you had two distinctively different groups of people. You had Jewish believers, Jewish being 
a, a birthright, being a nation, being a group of people, being a, a race, being a, a set of uh, religious uh, values and rules that they followed. And you had Gentile believers. Gentiles were ever, anyone who wasn't Jewish. Oftentimes in the New Testament, you'll also see the word Greek. Very much similar to the same thing. He's saying there were Jews and there were Gentiles. And Paul is addressing a specific group within the church, the Gentiles. And it's important to understand how different these two groups were. In verse 12, we're going to look at several things that Paul lists about the Gentiles that separated them, that made them different. But I just want you to understand how big this is because for thousands of years, there had been a void in between these two groups. God had set apart the Jewish people uh, as a way of making himself known to mankind. He wanted mankind to see the difference he would make in the lives of people. There was a way for people to, to join in worship. Uh, there was a way for people to join the Jewish nation. God was not exclusively saving the Jewish people, but he identified with them in a way that was different, a way that was special. But the problem was, is over the centuries, instead of the, the, that nation, that group of people, uh, understanding that they were meant to show everyone else about God, there just developed a huge gap. It was just this enormous void between these two groups of people. It was almost exclusivity. You know, we, we are who we are, and we don't in, even interact. We don't even talk to these people unless we have to. So there was a huge void. And, and, and in fact, and that's what Paul is about to describe here. And we read about that all through the Old Testament as um, before the cross. That is really how God was relating to mankind in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, Paul begins to tell and remind the Gentiles. The first word he says in verse 12 is remember. What does he want them to remember? He says, remember that at the, that time you were separate from Christ. First thing he says there in verse 2, he says, you were separate, meaning as a people, you did not possess a national hope. There were people that did, they would, they would identify uh, with the God of the Jews, and they would worship him. They had a hope, but as a people, the Gentiles were separate. They did not have a national hope. He goes on to say, you were excluded from citizenship in Israel. You were excluded. Again, as a people, you're, you, you were not a part of that nation. You were separate. You were excluded. You were, you were made to be kept away. He says also that... Um, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of promise. Um, one of the ways that, that God really, toward the beginning of Scripture, in uh, our Old Testament, in Genesis, moving into Exodus, He, would, uh, he established some covenants, which is a, uh, a word that means promise. God would make some promises with, with men like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. If you were part of our Joseph series, we referred to some of these promises. He then went on to make promises to Moses as he formed the nation of Israel. And those were promises to a specific people, to the descendants of Abraham. And these Gentiles, who again 
not all inclusive individually, but as a group. We're separate from those promises. And Paul's reminding them of that. He says, you were excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. He says, you were without hope. As you had no corporate future. There was all these future promises, some of which still have yet to be fulfilled in the Old Testament to the nation of Israel. Some will still take place in the future. But he says, you Gentiles, you were excluded from that. You didn't have the hope of those promises. And lastly, you were without God. You were without God as a people. See, God, was, God worked tirelessly to draw Israel to himself. Jesus even spoke one time in, in the book of Matthew toward the end. He's, he's really weeping, and he's like, Oh, Israel, how I longed to gather you to myself. Jesus, who was fully God, still longed and desired to see Israel come to himself because he has a special relationship with the Jewish people. But as you know, Jesus made salvation available to everyone. And Paul is relating this. And he, but he's talking to this group of Gentiles, and he says, I just want to remind you of some things. And honestly, there's some really sad things, aren't they? I mean, at, at this point, I feel sad and almost a type of angry that there was this kind of a division in people. It, we think of some of the things that took place uh, yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Just... The, the racism that exists in our country with some people, even to this day, and the actions they take place. And, and we're sad and we're a little angry, maybe we're a lot angry, over the thought of people being so against one another. And yet, that was the culture that Paul was writing to. These groups of people who were very much against one another. But Paul... So often, and he's going to do it in this passage, he reminds people of the past condition before Christ. And now he's going to share some incredible news. And this is where we're going, and this is where we want to camp out, and this is what we want to leave with, because we don't, want, we don't like to open up God's Word and just read about the horrible way we were before salvation or the horrible way things were before the cross in this situation and leave it at that. That's discouraging. And Paul knew that. He's basically writing one sentence. And let me read verse 11, and we'll get into ver- 11 and 12, and get into 13. Because I want you to understand something. Paul wasn't trying to hammer home a bunch of negative statements. He just wants them to understand how things used to be. He says, therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles at birth, and you were called uncircumcision by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body... By the hands of men. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Now, this isn't even the bottom line and where we're going, but how exciting it must have been for the people at the church at Ephesus, these Gentile believers, to hear that verse. They knew full well how excluded they had been made. They know how, I mean, they understood how 
different they were. And Paul reminds them of some things, and they're like, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, we know that, Ugh, you know. And Paul gets to verse 13, he says, but now, in Christ Jesus, you have been brought near by the blood of Christ, by the cross. Why did we sing about the cross? Because it was that cross that brought all of us near, all of us present who were Gentiles or Jewish believers were brought near by the cross, were adopted into that. They, I think they just, they let out a little amen back then. Little, I mean, they might have even done a, you know, a whoop, you know, whoop. Yeah, that's exciting. For them, that must have been incredible news to hear. They, they, as this letter was read to them, I think the reader had to pause and just let everyone celebrate a little bit what God had done. God had brought everyone near. Paul was writing to a group of Gentiles, like he identified the group. But present at the reading of this letter were also the Jewish believers. The ones that he identified in verse 11 where he says, you know, by the so-called circumcision. I mean, he, he knew very well who was going to be hearing this. And everyone in that church heard and was reminded by Paul that you have all been brought near into one body, into one church. Even though for thousands of years, the Gentiles and the Jewish people you have worshipped separately, you are now not only one group, you are one body, one family. Christ has done this. And what are the, what are the means? So we have, we have this past condition, um, and, and Paul reminded them of that. In verse 12 and verse 13, we have this huge statement by Paul that says, But now you have all been brought near uh, to him through the cross. That's the present condition. Now, how was that condition made possible? Verses 14 through 18. Is it something they did? Is it something Paul taught? Is it something um, that they worked out? Was it a treaty? How, how, were, how were they all brought near? It says, For he, being Christ himself, is our peace. Christ, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. A very cool figure of speech that Paul uses here because one, when they worshipped, a a Gentile believer who wanted to worship Jehovah, the, the God of the Jewish people, if they wanted to worship, they could, but there was a wall. That separated them. There was a Gentile court that was on the outside. And if you were a Gentile, you could come into that court to worship, but you did not go into, I think, what we would call the sanctuary to worship. So there was, Paul's not referring to that wall, but I think he's using it as a figure of speech. He said, There's God, Jesus removed that barrier. There's no longer a wall that divides you. This and again, this wall was cultural. It was uh, religious in terms of uh, forms of worship, practices of worship. It was political. It was national. There was a sense of pride there. Um, and I think at times it was made racial. Huge wall. How was it eliminated? For he himself, verse 14, is our peace 
who has made the two into one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And verses 15 through 18 give us some of the things of how he did that. How did he establish peace? Verse 15. By abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. Jesus gave each group the same commandments. The Jewish people followed a huge amount of commandments, many of which man had added on. Christ abolished those. He gave one huge commandment, which was love one another. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and treat others the way you would treat yourself. When, when Christ was asked, how do, how do you, God, Jesus, just, just boil it all down for me. Tell me what I'm supposed to know. You're supposed to love me and love others. That's it. Do it. That's what you need to know. And in verse 15, Paul's saying, hey, he, he's abolished that set of laws, but he's given us all the same ones. To bring us together to himself, we all have the same law. Love one another. Love Christ. Love one another. That's the rule that you are to follow. And of course, he helps us, and he helps us identify and understand how we do that. Because sometimes we don't even know how to do that. So there are other commandments that we have in Scripture that help us to love God and to love one another. So how did he make peace? He gave everyone the same commandments. Verse 16, And in this one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. That's why we sang about the cross today. Because we were brought near to him through the cross. The Jews, the Gentiles, all brought to him through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He not only gave us the same commandments, he also gave us the same salvation. The salvation that, that saved the Jewish individual, saved the Gentile individual. And now they were brought together in one body. Here is the salvation. Here is this body. Here is how I am going to make you two groups one. I'm giving you the same commandments. I'm giving you the same salvation. Verse 17 he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Jesus had the same message. It was a message of peace. Not only was he peace, that's what he preached. And as he communicated to his apostles and then told them to spread the message, he, he communicated to the entire church that a message of peace was to be delivered. This is the message you're to send out. He told his apostles, you go out and you say the things that I've said to you. Peace. Preach peace. He gave the Jewish people and the Gentile people the same message. Go and share this message. So we have the same commandments. We have the same salvation. We have the same message. And then in verse 18, for through him we both have access to the Father by two spirits. Each of us has our own spirit doesn't say that. He's, let's read it again. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. At salvation, God's Spirit, His Holy Spirit, 
dwells in you, takes up residence in you. And the spirit that you have is the same spirit that I have. The spirit of a, that a Jewish believer had was the exact same spirit as the Gentile believer. They had the same spirit. Here are all these ways that Christ is creating unity in the church. He says, same commandments, same salvation, same message, same spirit. You, the church, you have it. Gentile believers, you have it. Jewish believers, you have it. You're one. Christ has made you one. How? I, I, I don't think we're even capable of understanding how divided the church must have felt or how certain people must have felt because for thousands of years they were separate. They were taught that. They were taught that it was good to be separate. And Paul's writing this just decades after Christ went to the cross and saying, you're one. Christ has made you one. Do you you understand how big this must have been? How incredibly huge, what a big deal this must have been for that church. The, The amount of history that they were up against. and, And just to totally change their way of thinking, that the church were one group of people. I hope you understand that because we do want to apply this to us today because you and I are always dealing with awkward people, at least awkward situations. Truth be told, we're probably a little awkward to some other people. Don't shake your heads too much, but some of you may think I'm a little awkward. You know, I'm not even looking at you right now. I'm not even looking at you right now. It gets, it's difficult to relate to people sometimes. But I want you to know some things that Paul told that church. Because here's what I know. The awkwardness that you have with someone else in the church is nowhere close to what these Jewish and Gentile believers had to deal with. You have nothing that stacks up to what they were up against when it came to unifying in coming together, understanding that they needed one another, that Christ had made them one. But here's, let's just summarize what Paul was telling that church, which is true for you and for me. We have been given the same commandments. The person that you may have a, an issue with, or you're just, I mean, it's an awkwardness, you know, uh, that exists between you. You each, if you know Christ, have the same commandment, and it's to love each other. What about salvation? This is an incredibly good reminder for me as your pastor. The salvation that I have is, is just as meaningful as the salvation that anyone else has that maybe I don't like. They have the same salvation, which means God values them the same way he values me. That Christ died for them the same way he died for me. Now, how, how can I argue with that? How, how upset can I be at that person? Christ values them the same way he values me. They are equally as valuable. He went to the cross for them the same way he did for me. Christ gave us all the same message. That message being of peace. And we're supposed to share it. 
Lastly, He's given us both the same Spirit. And, and the Spirit works in us to really accomplish one. The Spirit does so many different things. I don't want to oversimplify what the Spirit does in our lives. Uh, John wrote tons of verses in regards to what the Spirit was going to come and do. Uh, Jesus spoke about the Spirit and what it, He would come and do. But the one thing the Spirit does is glorify the Father. Whatever He does in my heart is going to be to bring glory to God. Whatever the Spirit's doing in, in this other person's heart that maybe I have issue with is to glorify the Father. The Spirit's only going to accomplish one thing. The Spirit doesn't have different agendas. It's one Spirit that exists in both of us. And we come together through that Spirit. Lastly, in terms of how hopefully this truth of unity, this truth that Paul was sharing with this church at Ephesus can make a difference in your life and my life. If Christ did all these things to establish peace and to bring everyone into one family, even more intimate than that, one body, the things that disunify us cannot be from God. If God's work is peace, if God's work is that we love one another, if that's his message, and the same spirit exists in both of us, and the spirit doesn't have different agendas, then things that separate us, things that disunify the church, the body of Christ, cannot be from him. Meaning they must be from Satan. So I think we need to challenge ourselves. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, at the beginning of this passage, in verse 11, it says, Therefore... Paul, throughout Ephesians, as we study this book, he's going to start to get into specifics like, okay, if you need to have a better relationship with your wife, this is what you do. If you need to have a better relationship in your workplace, this is what you do. If you need to have a better relationship with your children, this is what you do. Like, Paul's going to get into some specifics. But I think right now, we have to ask ourselves, can we, do we believe it's possible? The person that we just, oh, you know, we're avoiding them. Is it possible? Do you believe it's possible? Because Christ says it is. He says he saved them the same way he saved you. I think we have to ask if this is possible. And Paul connects this truth to the truth of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. You have been saved by grace and you're saved for something. Therefore, do, you need to be unified. Therefore, you need to be together. Paul's going to do this several times in Ephesians. Here's what God has done for you. Therefore, you get to do this. They go together. They go together. And very often, um, I bump into people who will tell me something like, well, well, you know, Pastor, I'm, I, I, I haven't forgotten about Jesus, or I'm all about Jesus. I'm just not about the church. That's a problem. That's a problem because he, Christ didn't really separate those things. Scripture doesn't really separate those things. Here's just one example where Paul says, hey, because of this incredible salvation that we have, here's how we get to live with one another. I mean, you have to really stop reading in certain places if you want to have a salvation and a faith that means you can relate to God, but you can't relate to other people. That's inc you, you can't get there reading the New Testament. But my cha the challenge for me today... And the challenge for you today 
is do you, do you even accept it as possible that you can have a healthy relationship with some people of faith in your life? Will you, maybe in the next coming moments as we go to prayer, just say, God, I'm not feeling it right now. I'm not feeling that I could really even get along with this person. But I'm believing in you that it's possible. God, I, 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 don't, I don't know if in my heart I feel it right now. I don't know if I'm you know, going to call them after the service. But I want you to know I'm trusting in your word that it's possible. That if you can bring two groups of people who for thousands of years have been separated and make them into one body, the church. If you can do that, then I think you could do that in my relationship to fill in the blank. Will you join me in a, a time of prayer? Father in heaven, Lord, how challenging this is for us. I, we have groups of people that we love to be hanging out with. Uh, this is a church that welcomes people. We, we love people. But, and we're, but we're also people that have been hurt. We trusted someone maybe too much, and, and they hurt us, Lord. And we don't like how that feels. And so, God, we, we struggle when it comes to knowing new people and engaging new people or just people we haven't really reached out to yet. But God, clearly, you have, that's what you've called us to do. You have established peace. This, the peace and the unity that exists is because of you. So Lord, today, may we acknowledge the individuals that we are struggling to get along with or, or to even um, desire to speak to or are just awkward with. May we acknowledge them and may we, more importantly, acknowledge that you can make a difference in that relationship. We don't even know what, how that is going to work out. But we acknowledge that it's possible. And we ask that you would give those willing wisdom to know what they need to do in those relationships, and you would give them the courage to go out and do it. I ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Remember, we have women's retreat sign-ups and Relay for Life.